Wow, young lady. Ooh. Yeah, I'll take that. I feel young. Why is it that we look in the mirror and say, who is that? It's not how I'm feeling. But I'm thankful for this honor and privilege of being able to share with each and every one of you tonight. God is faithful, isn't he? Do you find that to be true? And even as um, Justin was sharing, I have to get used to seeing myself back, looking back at me. Um, even as Justin was sharing a little bit about myself, um, I have to agree with him. He's seen me in quite a bit of different ways. And I will agree also that in the last few years, there has been a lot of growth because I've chosen it. And what I feel to share with you tonight is um, what God was putting on my heart. And some of it could be repetitious of things that we have already heard, even with Pastor speaking and things that he has been sharing the last few weeks. And even since the last five days of encounter, which has been awesome, there is a difference in our church. The atmosphere has changed. It's awesome. And even as he, I heard him voice on Sunday, and he might have voiced it at another time, but I may not have been here, about alignment, that it's a word for our church this year, is alignment. And it's actually something that the Lord has been putting on my heart as well, because I want to be aligned with him. I want to be walking where he is going to be. And... We need to choose to do that. And there's so many areas in our lives that we're not. And so the message that I felt the Lord had put on my heart to share tonight are, are you kingdom-minded or are you self-minded? And it's making that decision to walk in the truth that the Father is wanting you to walk in and being obedient to his word. Father, I just ask tonight that I speak with your words, that my heart is aligned with your heart, Lord. I ask that you prepare each heart tonight to receive the truth of your word, Lord, and anything that's not of you, Father, that it would just go to the wayside, Lord that only your truth would be gleaned here tonight. That you would bring your revelation of your truth, that you will reveal the lies of the enemy. And Father, that you would bring strength and encouragement and comfort and healing where it is needed. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name. Why is it when we speak, our mouth gets dry? When I share, I share out of the word. Some of you may have known my husband. He was a Bible guy. And I'm not as much of a Bible guy as I am a Holy Spirit person. And that's okay, too, because the Holy Spirit bring, speaks the truth of the word. And he reveals who Jesus is. 
So that's a good thing. But a lot of times when I share in sharing about the word, um, scriptures, I also share in testimony it too. Because God has brought me so far. He has been so faithful that I am a testimony. My life is a testimony to the truth of his word. And that's where I feel to start tonight. Now, you're not going to get the whole story. If you've heard me speak before, you've heard me speak different times, adding things about my life. I will be doing that, but not my whole life. So you can relax. <laughs> I'm not going through that. But I will start on May 4th, on October 4th, 1982, is when I first gave my life to Jesus and accepted the Lord. Happened to be when I was 29 years old. My life was in a very stressful place. I was 29, found my first gray hair. Uh, I, we, my husband and I were never able to have children, so I was stressing over not having children. Everybody else in my life was working on their second or third child, and I was still waiting for my first. And my husband and I, at that point, were coming up on our seven-year wedding anniversary, and if anybody, of any of you have heard about the seven-year itch, it was happening in my life, in our lives. And there was a lot of discontent that was happening. And basically saying, is this all there is? Is this it? We work. We're married. We were growing distant from each other. I found my first gray hair. Just bought a home that summer, so I had a huge mortgage payment for that time back in 1982. Interest rates were 16%. And is this all there is, Lord? And on that day in October, the Lord came and rescued me. My walk through that time was sporadic. Um, I was on fire a little bit, but then slowly, um, my husband didn't know the Lord at that point. He came from a very uh, a Catholic background. He went to Catholic school and brought up in kind of a strict home where he was forced to go to church. I was brought up in a Protestant, I'm Presbyterian, and so the Holy Spirit wasn't something that was a reality the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I'm going along, trusting in the Lord. I was operating under unworthiness, fear, low self-esteem, inadequacy, not feeling good enough. I suffered a lot of hurt, came out of a performance mentality family, and, of course, that even put more stress on not having to be good enough. You had to be a certain way to be accepted. So in some respects, I was living under conditional love. So as I went to church, there was a scripture, um, and this was even before John came to know the Lord. Um, that the Lord at one of the services stood out to me. 
Seek first, out of Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, the reference to all these things will be added to you is basically your provisions, because the, the verses before that talks about um, the bird has enough to eat, um, don't be concerned about what you're wearing, what you look like, what you have, but God is going to provide for all of this. And when I heard that, that was something that God put in, put in my spirit, and I held on to that, and I thought, I need to seek God. I need to make a commitment to go after him and leave the rest of my life behind. As I said, it wasn't easy. I literally, when I found a church to go to in my home, I'm from Jersey, and if you couldn't tell from the accent, but I literally had to find a church home and take Jesus by the hand and say, we're going in, and we did. But I have to say, once I made that decision and commitment, all these other things were added onto me that I didn't have to worry about. And even my husband, within the month, started coming to church. I stopped worrying about it. I was never one to open my mouth. Pretty quiet person. You can't tell that pretty much now in how I am. Sometimes I voice my opinion rather freely. Some of, some of you are appreciating it, yes. Thank you. But so my witness to my husband was in my actions. And um, because of his knowledge of the Bible through the Catholic Church, he knew scripture. And he would come back at me with some scriptures, and I knew that it wasn't really God's truth but I didn't know how to combat it. So I needed to get into the word and know the word of God. But anyway, once I made that commitment and walked forward and decided to seek God's kingdom, God did provide any of these things in that. And that's why I'm feeling to share with you tonight. Because living in ourselves is a very lonely place. Some of us stay within ourselves because we have become our own safe place because of situations and circumstances in our lives that we grew up in, people around us, they haven't been very trustworthy. Some of our parents were never really good role models of the Father of God. And so we lived in that place of survivor, survival more than living our lives the way God would want it. So coming to know the Lord was, is rather challenging in the sense that when even from the first time that we're born, we're learning, our parents are teaching us to be independent. We learn how to hold a bottle as a baby so that they don't have to be held for us. As we get a little older, we're taught how to dress ourselves. We're taught how to tie our own shoes. We're taught how to, um, as we go to school, we're taught how to start thinking for ourselves. 
So we're being taught independence in how to self-survive. And if you're not brought up in a Christian-based home, that's basically all you have. Okay? Those of you who are brought up in a Christian home, you have the benefits of parents that are stressing God. Now, my mom believed in the Lord, believed in God. I can't say she believed in Jesus, but she believed in God. We went to church. She did not. She'd drop us off to Sunday school. But then she'd stay home with my dad because Sundays was really the only day that she had with him. And so we then started thinking, well, if she doesn't have to come to church, why are we? So as we got older, we started being a little rebellious in that. So all these, I say, is because it's setting a precedence, precedence of us being self about ourselves and self-minded and knowing how to, to survive in that and being that safe place for us. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by me. Kingdom of God, righteousness, what does that mean? What is righteousness? It's one who is right, who is just, who is clear, clean, a person who is characterized by fairness, integrity, and justice in his dealings. Well, probably as we grew up in our lives, there wasn't very many people that we could say was that way. One thing I've learned on my walk with God, and even, even quite recently, in my walk is that God is a man of his word. But we haven't quite grasped that. Because we have grown up in a world that hasn't really been true to its word. Even sometimes parents saying to their child, if you don't stop it, you're going to get a spanking. The child continues. If you don't stop it, you're going to get a spanking. The child continues and goes on and tests. It, when is it going to come about? When is it going to happen? What they're saying. So we're learning that people aren't people of their word. And in that, we haven't always trusted God that he's going to be true to his word causes fear, doubt. It allows deception to come in. It allows the enemy to start speaking lies into our hearts and into our minds. And a lot of us, not knowing the word of God at an early age, starts believing the lies as truth instead of the truth of the word. Peace and joy as we find out in Galatians 4.22, is actually part of the fruit of the Spirit. So actually to get them to be part of our lives, we need to be plugged in 
to where that fruit is produced so that I can start producing that spirit. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Well, that doesn't sit right with me. Because I've been surviving all this time, finally, without anybody. But have I really had joy and peace in my life? No, I really haven't had that. We need to make a decision to get off the fence. Come out of our comfort zones. Come out of those safe places that we have provided for ourselves and allow God to be that safe place for us as we walk with him. One of the ways of achieving that, to become more kingdom-minded, is to make a choice to walk in the spirit. As we receive Christ into our hearts, the Holy Spirit also comes along and enters in to be that help, the helper. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. Well, that's not sitting well with me either, is it? I've been used to having my own way, doing things the way Erna wants it. I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. And I'm not going to tell anybody what I can or can't have. That's another area in our lives that need to come under the obedience of Christ. And that can be challenging for us. It's a choice that we make. We need to have purpose in our lives. We need to set our eyes on the goal of Jesus and start pursuing him, abiding in him, abiding in his trust and his truth. Some of us feel we don't know God, and it's true, we really don't know God. But if we pursue after Jesus, Jesus reveals the Father. So if we don't know God, maybe some of you are still in that place of learning who the Father is because of bad role models. We know God in the Word. Sometimes we know God as, as a, a, a judge that sits up there in the seat, and I better watch out that I don't get punished. I need to do what I have to do, or what he says, otherwise I'm going to get punished. But God is not. He's a loving Father. So keeping our eyes on Jesus on the goal. 
Another scripture that stood out to me in my walk with the Lord was 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's interesting you used that earlier. There was quite a few verses that were confirmed to me before I even stood up here. I, when I hear that, I get a picture of in Africa, and the lions are there. And there's these herd of animals, but what is the lion doing? He's looking out for the one who's isolating, who's withdrawing. Now, for me, that was one of my safe places, was to isolate and withdraw, to be by myself to not be involved with other people. Fear of confrontation, that was me. Somebody comes up and, and starts to argue, forget it, I back away. I didn't realize the enemy was looking around for us, that we're isolating ourselves, as he does in the wild. A lion picks out the one that's isolated, that doesn't have the rest of the pack to help out to protect it. The enemy does the same thing when we isolate ourselves. We think we're making a safe place for ourselves, but we're really not. We need to become observant as we walk in the spirit. Being watchful, not being distracted. What are we watching? What are we watching on TV? What has our interest? Is it edifying the Lord? Is it something that if Jesus came into your living room and sat down alongside of you, would you still be watching? What are you listening to? Teaching tapes, series, music, other people. I will say for my own personal, I like to be around positive people that are going to be speaking into my life truth. People that are going to be sitting around gossiping or talking negatively either about other people or leadership, I don't want in my life. I'm wanting to surround my, myself with positive with people that speak life. We need to have balance. I know Pastor has talked about this, of having balance. Learning discernment and determination so that you are not sidetracked, so that we can stay focused. Um, discernment on, is this the Lord? If you're questioning it, ask him. I have regular conversations with the Lord. Father, is this you? If it's not you, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. I don't have the final um, answer. God does. Then we need to activate and be led by the Spirit instead of walking according to our own understanding. 
That brings me to another verse that the Lord has put on my heart, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will straighten your path. Trust, there's that word again. People haven't been trustworthy, but I need to trust him more. So my journey continues. I was thankful that the Lord had placed a lot of people in my life as I was growing in the Lord. Um, first getting into ministry because of my unworthiness, because of my fears. He started me with teaching pre-K Sunday school. And because I was wounded when I was five years old and that part of me never trusted adults, never found them trustworthy. But I related to kids. Kids made me feel comfortable. So God knew that and encouraged me to start in pre-K. I became comfortable. From there, I enjoyed singing. I was encouraged to try out for the worship team. And I did. And I made it, but I stood in the back row, not wanting to be out on the forefront. But the Lord said, come on up a little bit higher with me, Erna. Will you trust me a little bit more? You've gotten through this far. Trust me a little bit more. Eventually, I started leading worship. I don't know a note of music. I can't read a note of music. But the musicians worked with me. They knew what my key was that I was comfortable singing in. And I became a worship leader because of trusting God. From there, I got involved with becoming a deacon in the leadership. It's interesting that one of the things my pastor, and kidding, he said to me one time in, in the group, he says, okay, now that you're all deacons, you're gonna each have to take a Sunday and speak before the church. <laughs> no way. I thought he was serious. And I said, if that's what you're going to be doing, I need to leave the church now. This isn't for me. There was no way I was going to stand up in front of people and speak. But the Lord said, Erna, let's go up a little bit higher. Anybody read Rick Joyner's Final Quest? There's a mountain. Man, when I read that book, I could totally relate to that because that's what I felt the Lord was saying, will you come up higher with me? And it's not to say that I was coming up higher to be better than anybody else. In some respects, he was taking me deeper into trusting him in new levels of him. 
And eventually I was over different ministries in the church, prayer ministry, prophetic ministry. And so I was getting all this background, but I find it very interesting that it's 8.16 already. Um, that he was preparing me for what he was actually calling me into, my calling of who he created me to be. I needed the background of all these areas. I needed the challenges in my life because he was calling me to be a deliverance minister. Now, someone who had a lot of fears and unworthiness, there was no way if I had known ahead of time, some of us like to know where we're going. Some of us like to know what's happening. What is God calling me into? I was better off not knowing. Because if I knew that ahead of time, not this girl. <laughs> Again, the Lord says, Erna, will you trust me? And I did. I trusted speak people who I had speaking in my life. I trusted um, Father in a deeper way. He brought healing into my life. He brought healing into that area and took away those fears that I had. Are there still fears that come down? I ain't perfect. I still got a little bit going on there that I'm needing to trust him in. We all do. Amen. God has no limits. And coming to know him is just going deeper in who he is as he reveals himself. And so as I became a deliverance minister, my husband and I were um, doing ministry. We were partners, teamwork. Okay, Erna, we're going a little bit deeper in trusting me. My husband became sick five years ago, actually six years ago, 2012, so seven years ago. He was diagnosed with um, multiple myeloma, and eventually it was considered that um, he was a Marine, he was stationed in Camp Lejeune, and there was water contamination. And so that's where a lot of the multiple myeloma, for the time that he was drafted in 69, th these things were starting to come out. Um, the hospice nurse was mentioning that to me. And so there was going deeper in my trust of him. I felt it was very interesting. One of the, the scriptures that the Lord was giving to me at that time was um, Job. And I said, okay, Lord, you're talking about Job. Job was sick. But unfortunately in Job, the wife dies. What are you trying to tell me here? But as the Lord was... Um, sharing with me, and I'm going to read out of Job because I feel it's really interesting because I never really noticed it before as much because a lot of people feel that when the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? A lot of people feel God threw him under the bus. Oh my gosh, he set Job up for Satan to go and attack him. But when we read that scripture, 
Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan said to the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Job, Behold, the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then we, re we know the rest of what happened to Job. And as I'm reading that, I'm saying, okay, Lord, what are you wanting me to know about this? I looked under the footnotes in my Bible of going deeper in the meaning of that. Job is declared by God himself to be blameless and upright, and yet he is tried, and yet he is tried, not because of his unrighteousness. A lot of us think our trials and tribulations are punishments. God's punishing us. We must have done something wrong. But it's in spite of his righteousness. His trial was to establish his righteousness as well as to give him deeper insight into his relationship with God and a greater understanding of his own nature. While Satan's goal was to prove Job to be a sinner, God's goal was to establish forever a sincerity of Job's faith. God does not allow trials to see if we fail. That's not why he has trials and tribulations in our lives. He allows trials to strengthen our faith. What does the word say? We can, all, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The trial is, in fact, a statement of God's faith in our faithfulness and integrity. So this trial that had come upon us with my husband's illness, God was wanting to use to be glorified in. It wasn't as a punishment. We went through different ministry. We did deliverance. My husband went through deliverance, everything, repentance, anything that might have been holding this sickness into place. Could God have healed him? Well, I feel eventually he was healed. He was healed in the presence of the Father. He's whole and complete. But his healing didn't come on this earth. Again, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. So my trust in God went even deeper yet. We need to commit all things to the Lord. There was more I had planned of sharing, but it doesn't always work out. One of the things when we accept Jesus into our lives, 
we accept him and tell him we want him to be Lord of our lives. In other words, we're tired of doing it in our own strength. We're tired because our ways haven't been working. We become fatigued. We become, if you're getting burnt out, I'd look and see, are you trying to do it in your own way, in your own strength? There isn't burnout in the kingdom of God. We need to be committing everything. If we're asking him to be Lord of our lives, he's Lord of everything. Amen. We need to commit everything to him, our time, ourselves, our families, our spouses, our children. I needed to commit my husband to the Lord. I was walking one morning and all of a sudden I felt the Lord saying to me, will you give me your husband? I knew it was the Lord because it took my breath away. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what that meant. And I asked the Lord, what does that mean? He didn't answer me because it wasn't about what it meant. But will you give me your husband? It didn't have, it didn't, it couldn't come with a condition of whether he was going to be healed or not. It just had to, will you give him to me? And I eventually said yes. Have you committed everything to the Lord? When we accept the Lord, it's like we're engaged. We're engaged because eventually Jesus is coming back for a bride, right? And we're the bride of Christ, becoming prepared for our bridegroom. When he returns to a bride without spot and blemish, cleaned, righteous, committed to him. I have found out in my own life that my way doesn't work. And I encourage others to follow suit. God gives us a guide. Commit everything. Commit our words. Are we speaking words of life? Or are we speaking words of death? We have no idea of the power that our tongue holds. You know, in the beginning, God spoke. He spoke creation into being, his words, the power of his words. He created us. If we're created, we have the spoken word of God in us. So when we speak, we speak with power and authority. We need to make sure that our words are counting. There's quite a few scriptures, and I'm not going to take time now to read them because we're almost coming to a close, that talk about our words, not to be complaining, not to talk foolishness, not to be coarse jesting, sarcasm. I was huge with sarcasm. That was an inheritance from my father, sarcasm. A derivative of sarcasm is the word cut, that you're cutting people, 
take sometimes to take attention off yourself, you're putting it on somebody else. We need to commit our words and choose life. I think one of the most important things is to know Father. But sometimes it's hard to know who Father God is because we don't necessarily know who we are. We're his kids. We're his children. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are his workmanship, each and every one of you. We're unique. There's not another person like us. But as we work in harmony and unity of the body of Christ, we're all a vital part of his kingdom. And he needs every single one of us. So I'm going, to encourage, I'm going to end tonight with encouraging you to really ask the Father, Lord, where in my life have I not committed to you? What still needs to be brought and surrendered to you? Because I committed my husband to the Lord, do I miss him? Yes, I do. But instead of looking at the negative of not having him, I am thankful to God for the 45 years that he was in my life, that God allowed that. And I'm trusting God to fill those areas. Do I still miss him? Absolutely. Is there still a grieving process? Absolutely. He was a part of my life, a part of my heart. But I'm not wanting to grieve more and allow the enemy to come in where he likes to come in when you're in that very vulnerable place with lies and he grabs hold of that and keeps you in that place because he doesn't want to see you move forward. He doesn't want you to move into who God created you to be. A lot of you are living in a, um, I want to say matrix. If you ever saw the movie Matrix, it's almost like we're living in a false place because we're not really grasping of who we are, the power that we have, the authority that we have. And we're holding the enemy up higher and giving him more credit than he's due. You are so much greater. And you are so very much loved. Father, I pray a blessing on each and every one here tonight, Lord. Every single one of us need a touch from you, a touch spiritually, a touch emotionally, a physical touch of healing, Lord. 
Only you know, Father. And I ask, Father, that you would touch each person here tonight. And that you would reveal to them those places in their hearts that you want to go deeper with, Father. I ask that their hearts would be more open to trust you, Lord, in a deeper way, in a greater intimacy, Father. Bless their homes, bless their workplace, bless their ministry, bless their families, and bless their lives, Father. That they would truly see that they are a vital part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.